Well, good morning, family. Um, well, I'm going to start by saying we made it. It's no longer 2020. I'm sure someone out there has a, uh, is already selling an uh, industrious person selling shirts already saying, you know, I survived 2020, and I'm sure you can find one online in a moment here. But um, being as a new year, let's talk about some new things. So stand with me um, for uh, the reading of God's word. Please turn to Romans 12, 1 through 2. Quick reminder, by the way, of course, I forgot to say it earlier when I was doing announcements, but we do have an app that has um, stuff in there. The app has been updated with the right sermon. I'm sorry, the bulletins have the wrong sermon passage because it was changed yesterday when Mike got sick. So, um, so it is unfortunately, it's, it was already printed at that point. So, um, but if you will, turn with me in your Bibles. If you don't have it or on the app, you can look there to Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. Um, join me as we read. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, as I already said, 2021 is here. Um, and with a new year often comes an impetus to be a new person. We see this, uh, I'm sure lots and lots of people today are talking about the concept of um, New Year's resolutions. How are you going to, what are you going to do this year? How, what are you going to resolve to change? Um, and honestly, I can't fault the idea of resolutions. Um, in fact, it's quite natural to think about beginnings uh, and have that cause think about new beginnings in our lives and desiring something different seems like the natural extension of a new year. Um, and you know the drill. It's usually, I need to lose weight and get in shape, which is always true for me. Uh, I need to read more or read better books. I need to get more rest, also usually true for me. I need to finish my degree or get a new one. I need to cook more and eat out less. True for my family, often the case. Um, I need to find a better job. Um, I need to spend more time with my family. You know the list. And, and we make these resolutions. Um, and certainly we've all done this at some point in our life. We've saw a new year and said, okay, so I'm resolving this year to do X, Y, or Z. And in some cases you may have succeeded. Maybe you lost that weight um, and you got that degree finally. You made a plan and you stuck with it and you were consistent and you got there. And so praise God. Um, there's nothing at all wrong with this. And of course it, it's admirable. Uh, but of course statistics tell us that the majority of us are going to fail at these resolutions. That's what the numbers say, that most people commit to these things and we know that gyms are full January through maybe half of February, and then everyone drops off. And, and that, is the, that is what happens in life. So why do we do this, though? Uh, why do we make resolutions? Um, I suppose uh, we make them because we know we have weaknesses. Um, we look at ourselves, and we see our weaknesses, and we fixate on them, and we focus on them, and we desire to do something about them. Um, so we resolve to do so. Unfortunately, we fail at them for the very same reason because we have weaknesses. Um, and those weaknesses we observe in ourselves. the very same one that causes us to want to change is the weakness that often prevents us from making that change. Uh, so this year, I would like to offer up a new resolution, uh, one that cannot fail because it's not based on us, not based on anything we do, but rather it's not based on our weaknesses, but rather based on God's promises on his strength. It's resolved to do something that he has called us to do. Let's resolve this, this year to be transformed by God and moreover, resolve to rest in his power to transform you um, because it is something he surely will do. So what do I mean by this? Well, um
see what scripture has to say about it. Let's start with a quick word study of the word transform. We just read in our passage of Romans 12, 1 through 2, and we'll come back to that in a moment. But uh, let's start with this word transformed and see where it comes from. Uh, the word transformed in our passage today is rooted in the Greek word metamorpho, right? Um, it is the, uh, suspect, as you might suspect, it is the, literally means to transform in infinitive form, and is usually translated in English as some form of the verb transform, to transform, transformed, being transformed, have been transformed. Um, it is, of course, the same root from which we get the English word metamorphosis, right? The picture of that, um, that chrysalis, that, uh, that butterfly going from a uh, icky little caterpillar into this beautiful uh, little, little butterfly, right? Um, so keep that picture in your mind for a moment. Now, even though we do try to avoid jumping around in Scripture as much as we can, uh, it is absolutely right to let Scripture interpret Scripture. So, um, especially when it comes to the word usage. How is this word used in Scripture? Uh, so, how else is this word metamorpho, or various forms of it, used? Uh, well, Matthew 17.2 and Mark 9.9.2 both translate the, the, the tense of the same word into um, transfiguration to describe that glorious transformation of Christ when he became as the Son. Let's look at Matthew 17, 1 through 2, and I'll, and I'll read it to you. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Okay, so one uh, use of this word is of a radical transformation, a glorification to a new creation. Um, so is this what I mean? Uh, do I expect at the end of this year uh, to be glowing like the sun, um, do I expect that, uh, unless the Lord returns, not exactly. Of course, if he does return, then yes, I do expect we'll be glowing by the end of this year. Um, but if not, not this year, then not exactly, at least not in a physical sense, um, but maybe in a spiritual sense. So where else is this word and concept used in Scripture? Well, Paul's second letter to the, th to the Corinthians uses the word to describe um, the very transformation that we are being subjected to in a progressive sense in the process of sanctification. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed to the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So note the sense of this passage um, as spiritual transformation in progress. It's progressive sense. Also note, who is the dependent on? The Lord. He is doing the transforming. Not on our actions, not our, on us, but rather he is transforming us from one degree of glory to another. Um, it comes from the Lord and being an action in progress, it has starting point and an ending point. One degree of glory to another. Later in the same uh, letter, I would argue that Paul uh, refers to the starting point when he describes us as being new creations. That is the starting point of this transformation, the one level of glory. We are already, in a, in a present sense, a new creation. Let's read that real quick. Um, in first, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 18, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard this, him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Again, we see this dependence upon God. He is the one who has made us a new creation. Moreover, um, as I already said, this is in the present tense, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This has already been completed. 
you are already a new creation. But even so, as we already saw, you are being transformed progressively into something new. Um, this is the already not yet tension that Pastor Mike has often spoken of uh, many times, but applied to us as believers, you and me. It's the difference between justification in that we have already been made alive and justified before God by Christ's sacrifice, um, and sanctification in which we are being made more like Christ day by day until someday when he returns or when we, when we leave from this world, we are transfigured completely into his likeness. Okay, so turning back to our opening scripture, what do we see? Let's look at it again. So Romans 12, let's go to verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. By that testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We have a sense now of what the word transform means in this context. It is that picture of the butterfly emerging from cocoon, but even more radical. In reality, it is the picture of a rotted corpse being made alive and then being made glorious. Mariel and I, it's funny, my wife and I, Mariel, were discussing um, Lazarus this week, uh, and uh, actually yesterday, and she noted that the miracle of his resurrection pales in comparison with the transformation that is already happening in each and every believer. Lazarus may have been dead for a few days, uh, but on a chemical and physical level, there's not much difference between a dead corpse, a recently dead corpse, and, um, and a living person. Um, on the other hand, there is, uh, it is surely no difficult task in that case for the author of life himself uh, to bring back Lazarus to life, right? It's it no great, he created the universe, so certainly he could do this task, right? But for the same author of life to bridge the gap between sinful man and holy God, for him to take not just a spiritual corpse, but a rotten and decayed one, and then make it anew is an even greater miracle. It is a miracle that continues every day in the act of sanctification that is at work in us. And how is that daily progressive miracle affected in us by, as Romans 12, 2 says, the renewing of our minds? So how is he renewing our minds? By the application of the Holy Spirit within us. And how do we know what that Spirit is at work doing in us? How do we know uh, that he, that he, how is he directing our thoughts and, and renewing our minds? Well, we test those things. We test them against what? Well, Scripture. The only perfect standard and errant word of God. Um, as Paul writes Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, uh, starting in verse 16, all scripture is, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So there's a beautiful picture, by the way, of the triune nature of God in this, in this whole process. God the Father, who breathed the breath of life into dust to form the first man, also breathed into life scripture itself. It is expired by God, how scripture is described here, right? Um, that scripture, also described by John as the word of God, isn't, came incarnate in the flesh to dwell among us as Christ, right? Christ then paid the price for our sins and defeated death, returning to heaven and sending back his chosen one, uh, to his chosen ones, the Holy Spirit, to dwell within them. Progressively sanctifying these new creations that we've already been made from one degree of glory to another. Praise God that he has done this, and it is on him that he has taken this burden and done it um, to sanctify and glorify us in this process. So back to the New Year's resolution. Um, so I've challenged you to make your resolution this year to be transformed by God. Congratulations, you've already succeeded. Done, right? So what else is there to do? More accurately, he has already succeeded in you. 
By no action of yourself have you been transformed. He has transformed you. You're already a new creation, transformed by, justified, and made alive in Christ. Um, moreover, you will continue to succeed because you're being sanctified day by day, and it is not you who's doing the work on that either. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24, that now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. God is doing the work, and he will surely succeed. Okay, the pressure's off, right? That's a New Year's resolution that's really easy to keep. Um, but wait a second, really, what do I, what do I mean by this? Um, we've discussed the necessity of applying scripture to test all things, right? Um, and, that necess and the necessary work of sanctification is done by the Spirit uh, within us, interpreting the word, the truth of scriptures, right? But then, immediately after saying that, I informed you that you don't need to worry about that because sanctification is being done by God. Um, let me add a clarification. You don't need to worry about work for your sanctification because you cannot work for it. It is out of your hands. It is in God's hands. This is the indicative of Scripture, the part that tells us what he has already done. Um, if you are his, then he will accomplish this in you. So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us joyfully with the imperatives of Scripture, the part that informs us what we get to do because of what he has done. Um, how about an illustration? Let's, let's talk uh, about my own failings. I think that's usually a good illustration to offer up here. Um, so, knowing that scripture is, of course, important, I think uh, reading scripture daily is, is a good thing. Um, you know, I, I think it's very important. And we've established already that it is prim the primary means, the scripture is the primary means that the spirit works within the process of sanctification. It is a standard by which we are to test all things and the way in which God speaks to us. Many of us enjoy uh, theology, many of us enjoy philosophy. Um, we, we certainly lean on the creeds and confessions, uh, and for good reason. You know, they represent the accumulated wisdom of our fathers of the faith, um, but despite their immense utility, they're not scripture. Um, they are not inerrant, and they don't promise to give us life. So, I think it's fair to say that knowing scripture is indeed important. But one way to know scripture, again, is through a daily reading plan of some type. Um, and so every year, I make a point myself of beginning the McShane uh, one-year plan. But the question I have for you is, why should I? Um, why should I, as a believer, strive to read scripture daily? Uh, or taking a step back so it's not a loaded question, should I strive to read scripture every day? As I've already said, yes, knowing scripture is important. Um, but is a daily reading plan the right approach? Should I rather join a weekly uh, study? Should I do a devotional? Uh, should I pick a verse each day and meditate on it? Or should I do anything at all? Isn't the Spirit's work in me enough? This may seem like a silly question for the believer to ask, but let's give it a little historical context. For well over a thousand years, most believers did not have easy access to the Scripture, either because they were illiterate or it was not widely available um, due to the cost of a, of a copy, requiring a copy, or it was not in a language they could even understand. Were those brothers and sisters condemned in any way for their lack? Of course not. Firstly, because as Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So in Christ is no condemnation. So they can't be condemned for that. But secondly, because God's promised sanctification was for them as well as for us. As much as they were able to attend service with fellow believers, they were sanctified through the ordinary means of grace, including the word taught each Sunday and the spirit working within them to apply that word to their daily lives. Similarly, 
They were sanctified through the testimony of creation itself and through the lessons of, and trials of life, which we know act as a purifying fire on us. In the end, we know they were sanctified completely in their moment of death by the will of the Father and the power of the Spirit within them, transformed in a moment to be like Christ. But we don't live in a time without Scripture. Moreover, those who did live in such a time would certainly envy our easy access to Scripture. However, should I, as a believer, living in a time where Scripture is readily available, force myself to read Scripture each day? No. I get to read Scripture each day. In fact, I get to read Scripture as often as I am able. When I say to myself, I must read Scripture every day, I am falling into the trap of making new law for myself. On the other hand, when I say that I get to read Scripture each day, I am expressing joy in the Gospel. I have the freedom to read the Scripture each day with the knowledge that the Holy Spirit within me will transform me through the process, that it will not come back void. So read Scripture because it helps you know your Savior. Read Scripture because it is life-giving and life-changing. Read Scripture because it is a fountain of water in a dry land. But don't read Scripture because you must. Do it because you can. This isn't important for me because this is a struggle I, I have. I talk about this being a personal example, why I put scripture reading as an example of this. I already mentioned that I, I, every year I start reading the machine. Um, of late, though, I have had to make myself not force myself to finish it, allow myself to fail at it. Um, some years ago, I would treat my, I beat myself up every time I failed or forgot to do my daily reading. Uh, I, due to circumstances of life, um, I would get behind a day, and then it became a week. And in no time at all, um, my obsessive compulsive, uh, law-driven perfectionism would kick in. The voice in my head would tell me over and over that I am not a very good Christian if I can't catch up. God has given me easy access to the, the life-giving word as a blessing, and I, and I made a burden of it for myself. So must I read scripture daily? Must I study it regularly? Must I, as, as our brother Sam suggested, some weeks ago meditate on it? No, but I do get to. So how about you? Must you make it a habit to read scripture daily? No, I don't think you must. Should you? Maybe. Um, without knowing the particulars of your circumstance, I cannot say for sure. What I can say is that you have the privilege of being able to. And because of that, it is quite natural for you to desire to do so. What I can also say with certainty is that you should not make it a burden. So let me close with one final relevant reminder. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 records Jesus as saying, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Some years ago, Pastor Mike uh, discussed this passage in light of a calling for us to rest in Christ. In that sermon, he reminded us that it's okay to rest. Even more, it is exactly what we are called to do, because it is impossible for us to attain the transformation Christ is working in us. We have to rest in his power. In striving to do so in our own power, we actually make idols of what are and should be good pursuits. At the time, I was struggling with that perfectionism, and I, and I still do. Uh, I should make it clear, I still struggle with perfectionism. I still struggle with this desire. Um, even this last year, I, I got behind and immediately started again, kicking myself for, oh man, I'm a whole week behind on the shame because I went on vacation, you know, and I got behind during the reading every day, got out of my habit, and, and so I, I do it. And I have to surrender to God and rest in Him. Um, this it's a sermon from Mike some years ago about resting in God revolutionized my understanding of what it means to abide in Christ. Just be in Him and recognize we have the privilege of these wonderful tools, the means of grace that He is working through to sanctify us. We cannot make them new burdens upon ourselves. 
we get to enjoy Scripture. So enjoy Scripture as one who's reading a love letter from the one who loves him. So this year, if you're called to do so, make a resolution and start that daily reading plan or the weekly plan or the regular time of meditation or prayer or fasting. Certainly it is important that we, that we, we spend time in Scripture. This is how he speaks to us. Then make a second resolution to acknowledge and rest in Christ's sure and certain transformative work in you. Then when you miss a day or a week or a month, you can rest in the knowledge that he is at work. His burden is light and his grace is sufficient. That is a resolution you cannot fail because it rests in him and not in you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Lord, may we appreciate it more and more. But thank you also, Lord, for your light burden, that we are free not to burden ourselves again with new law. Rather, we are free to enjoy the great good gifts you've given us. Lord, as your children, certainly give us that desire. Flame it in us. Flame, flame that desire for your word, uh, for your people, uh, for, uh, for fasting and, and meditation upon your word, uh, for time in prayer, for time with brothers and sisters in Christ in service and the sacraments, Lord, inflaming us a love of the things and the good gifts you've given us, Lord, but help us this year to not make burdens of them. Let us rest, rest this year, in which we want to rest in the knowledge that you are sanctifying us, you have made us new creations, and you will surely do it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.